Well, uh, some of you may know that um, over this past year, I've been working as a salesperson uh, in retail in a computer accessory shop. And now normally, somebody would come in, they would buy one or two items and then leave. But every now and again, you would strike gold. Someone would come in and try to buy the whole shop. Not literally, but you get what I mean. They pick and choose whatever they want. They purchase a large amount of items and expensive ones too. Without a second thought. Money wasn't an issue for them. And as I'm serving them, I'm there thinking, man, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to have that sort of money? Instead of worrying about my finances, instead of having to carefully think about something before I buy it, whether it fits into our family's budget, having the means to buy whatever I want, that would ease my mind. Have you ever thought the same? Maybe it's someone's well-designed house or someone's luxury car. Man, if only I had that, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be comfortable. Well, in this morning's psalm, in Psalm 73, we're invited to see the internal workings of someone who feels in a similar way, someone who struggles with envy. This psalm is divided into three parts. At the start of this psalm, from verses 1 to 15, we're introduced to the psalmist's struggle with envy. Then from verses 16 to 22, we see that the psalmist's eyes are open. Then finally, from verse 23 to 28, he finds true comfort and joy. And so the first part of the psalm, we see how the psalmist struggles with envy. Let's read the first three verses. Surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, and I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So we see at the start of this psalm that the psalmist is someone who knows God. He knows that God is good. He knows that God has provided for Israel. He knows that God has delivered Israel from her enemies. He knows that God has blessed the nation. He knows that God is good. And he knows what God desires from his people. That God desires his people to have a pure heart, who are kind and merciful, who honor God and are good themselves. But, but then he looks at the world around him. And his feet, his foot almost slips. He looks at the world around him and it seems like it's the wicked who prosper. It seems to him that it's the arrogant who have a good. How they seem free from trouble. How they seem to get richer and richer. Have a look at verse 4. They have no struggles. 
their bodies are healthy and strong. And again, in verse 12, this is what the wicked are like. They're free, or ca- they're free of care. They go on amassing wealth. They are unashamed. They are proud of their pride. They dishonor God openly. Yet, they seem to have a comfortable life. They seem to have a life that is free of suffering. That they are blessed. And the psalmist compares this to his own life. Look at verses 13 and 14. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. So he looks at those who are wicked, who are having a good time, who are happy and comfortable, and he compares it with, that, with his own life where every day is a struggle. Every day brings a new pain. Sorrows come frequently. And so the psalmist falls into envy. I wish my life was like theirs. I wish I had what they have. A number of years ago, I was working as a civil engineer, and I was asked to help out a troublesome project in Queensland. It was taking way, way longer than expected, and the costs were overblown. It was way over budget. And now to put it bluntly, the project manager for that project was one of the most arrogant persons, people I've met, and one of the most lazy people that I've ever met. And he kept on blaming others for the problems with the project. But after a lot of hard work, the project was completed. And I remember at the end of the project, the project manager, the arrogant project manager, got a promotion. And I got nothing. I was fuming. Where's my promotion? This is unfair. What's the point of all the hard work that I put into this project? Like the psalmist, I compared my status to the arrogant, and my foot almost slipped. I became envious. It's time for a heart check. Is there envy in your life? Is there someone who you look at and you envy their lifestyle? You wish you had what they have? Can you relate to the psalmist? When you looked at your own life and compared it to those who don't know God and you thought, man, they have it good. Maybe you have a non-Christian friend who found it easy to get a boyfriend or girlfriend and here you are, single and lonely. Or maybe you're struggling financially and you see a non-Christian friend where success comes after success. And you're thinking, this doesn't make sense. This is unfair. I wish I had what they had. Like the psalmist, is there envy in your heart? Is there someone that you envy? 
Well, let's see what the psalmist does with his feelings. Let's read verses 16 to 17. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. So the psalmist doesn't remain in envy and let it brew. He doesn't give in to envy. What does he do? He goes to God. Confused and troubled by what he's feeling, how life seems unfair, he goes to God. Where there, his eyes are opened. And he understands that the arrogant and the wicked are not ones to be envied. Because they will meet their end. We see this in verses 18 to 20. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. In the end, the wicked will be destroyed. Whereas the psalmist's foot almost slipped, the wicked are free sliding down a mountain. Even though they seem to have an easy life now, in the end, they will come to ruin. They will be utterly destroyed. Their successes, their wealth, their prosperity will seem like a passing dream, as if they didn't exist. And so the psalmist goes to God and comes to a realization of the destiny of the wicked. And he realizes that he's been a fool, that he's been ignorant, that he's been like an animal, that to envy the wicked is stupid. It's like saying, oh, I wish I was on the Titanic, or I wish I lived in Pompeii. Life there sounded good. No, it's stupid. Those places, the Titanic was destroyed. And so when we see the wicked doing well in life, when we see the arrogant and their success, getting promotions, becoming popular, eating and enjoying whatever they like, and we are confused and are troubled and don't understand. Like the psalmist, let us first go to God. Bring our worries, our anxieties, our troubles, the things we don't understand. Let's bring them to God. Spend time with God in prayer and his word. And that we may come to know that the life of the wicked no matter how good it seems, it's not one that we should be envious of. The life of the arrogant is not one we should ever desire. But maybe instead, be sad about, to be grieved about, because the way that they are living, the path that they are taking, in the end, they will face judgment by God and meet destruction. But those who are found in Jesus will have eternal life.
And so maybe instead of envying the wicked, maybe we should reach out to them. Tell them where their lives are heading and tell them the gospel of Jesus. And so we have journeyed with the psalmist. We have seen how he compared his life with the wicked and he fell into envy, but then goes to God and realizes that the wicked are destined for destruction and realizes how he's been a fool for envying them in the first place. But the psalm doesn't end there. And in the last part of the psalm, we see that the psalmist rediscovers his true comfort. He rediscovers his true joy. Let's read verses 23 to 24. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. It's amazing. It's amazing that throughout all this, that even though he's been bitter and envious, that even though he's been foolish, he realized that God has never left him, that God has always been with him. What comfort, what relief that through this, God has been holding the psalmist's hand, guiding him, counseling him, leading him. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it comforting to know know that God has always been with him? And he can be assured that God will lead him into glory, not to destruction and ruin like the wicked, but to internal life. And it's in this that the psalmist realizes what he truly desires, what he truly wants, is God. We see this in verses 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? The earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The psalmist realized that it's not money or wealth or health that will bring him joy. It's not a pain-free life or sorrow-free life that will bring him security. It's not that a life that is free of trouble that will bring him comfort. No, his true joy, his true comfort, his true satisfaction is God himself. He would rather have God than anything else in the world. His flesh may fail. He may experience physical suffering and sickness. But his one true comfort is God. His heart may fail. The things in this world may discharge him. But his one true comfort is God. I remember when I was younger, the, um, the only coffee I knew about was instant coffee. So I used to be quite satisfied with Nescafe Blend 43 or International Roasts. To me, that's what, I, I thought that's what the cafe served. That, to me, that was coffee. But then when I had a taste of real coffee, of espresso coffee, 
My eyes were opened. Now this coffee is good. Now this is real coffee. And I don't want that instant stuff anymore. And so like the psalmist who discovers that his true joy is God, is that so with us? What brings you satisfaction? What brings you joy? What do you look for for comfort? Is it a certain TV show or movie? Do you find comfort in your successes? Or is it food? I know for myself, after a difficult day, I would often turn to junk food over prayer with God. I would often turn to chocolate instead of spending time in God's word. Yes, some of these things may be good, but if we're turning to them, Instead of turning to God for something only God can give us, then it becomes a problem. C.S. Lewis puts it in this way. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. May we find our ultimate joy and comfort in God. May our greatest desire, our deepest longing, be God himself. Let us turn away from things that so easily please and find our true joy in God. Knowing that this joy, this joy is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ, who died for our sin, who died for our envy, our greed, our pride. We were once the wicked, living according to our desires, destined for destruction. But through faith in Jesus, through Jesus' death and resurrection, he has brought us near to God. It is only through faith in Jesus that we come to God and that we can know this ultimate comfort, this ultimate joy in God. If you're not a Christian here this morning and you've been chasing comfort, you've been chasing satisfaction and joy, but haven't found it yet in your career, or in your relationships, or anything in the world, I invite you to experience the greatest comfort that the world cannot come close to bringing. And if you are a Christian, I encourage you to keep finding your joy in God, to not let your foot slip, to not lose your foothold, to not be trapped by envy or by wealth, or by the meager comforts that the world offers. That even in suffering, that even in sickness, that even in discouragement, that even in loneliness, that even in sadness, 
may you find your ultimate joy in God. May you find your ultimate comfort in God. May he be like the best soy latte that you've ever had. May he be more satisfying than the most satisfying meal that you've ever eaten. May he be like a cool, refreshing drink on a hot day. May God be your joy. Amen.